financial advice for queer people and especially trans people is very difficult. FB Canada did some research recently, you know, nearly 70% of the community fears discrimination when accessing financial advice. So that's a huge barrier for effectively millions being able to ask questions or figure out if they're doing the right thing, let alone executing any type of retirement planning. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode number 41 of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I am your co-host, Joe Curry, along with my co-host, Lindsay Wilson. How are you, Lindsay? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm great. I feel a little bit in a practice here because I haven't recorded anything in so long. <laughs> I just got through seeing all of our clients and you've actually handled the last couple of interviews. So I'm excited to kind of back on the mic and get back in the swing of things here. Absolutely. So what's new with you? What's going on this spring, Lindsay? Well, I'm excited back in community theater mode. I'm going to Fourth Line Theater in Millbrook to do a play called The Tilco Strike, about a strike that took place at the Tilco Plastics Factory here in Peterborough. So that'll be my summer for the next couple of months. Awesome. I can't wait to see you back on the stage. Oh, thanks. And how about you, Joe? Well, today, both of my boys have strep throat. They're taking it a lot better than I would. They're outside playing basketball right now. But either way, I'm at home with them. Other than that, next weekend, we're taking the whole family. We're going to go see a Walk Off the Earth concert. Both the boys love Walk Off the Earth. So that's our big, exciting event coming up here soon. Amazing. That'll be so good. Yeah, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. So for the podcast, the last couple episodes, so this one and the last one, we've been looking a little bit at some underrepresented groups. So Lindsay, maybe you could introduce our guests for this episode. So in this episode, I was lucky enough to interview Laura Whiteland. She is a certified financial planner and owner of Inclusive Financial Planning based out of Truro, Nova Scotia. After working in wealth management for over five years with different firms, Laura started her own company, again, Inclusive Financial Planning, and their mission is to make capable and caring financial planning and advice available to clients of all backgrounds and ages. She believes that access to quality financial planning is an important part of empowering people to reach their potential and live the lives they want. She also has a strong belief in supporting people in communities, particularly the LGBTQ plus community in rural Nova Scotia with a focus on trans inclusion and empowerment. And she's also the founder and current chair of the Truro Pride Society. Okay. I listened to the interview. I thought it was really good. A few things I took away from it are, you know, we've talked in the past a lot about why we do this podcast with approachability and how a lot of people won't come and talk to an advisor just because they're embarrassed about what they don't know. And that's something that's holding them back. But Laura kind of brought the light that that's maybe just one reason why someone might not see an advisor, right? So there's a lot of other reasons where people aren't getting the advice that they need and deserve because, you know, they're worried about, you know, what people are going to think or if they're going to be treated, you know, in a fair manner. You know, I found that interesting. And to be honest, it's not something I had really thought about. I know a lot of people aren't getting advice, like I said, but I hadn't really thought about the other reasons. So it was interesting to hear that. And the other thing that I really kind of got out of it is 
she talked a lot about some of the experiences that people do get when they see an advisor and how advisors are kind of stereotyping and talking to whoever it is that's in front of them as if they already know the situation just based on their past experience. And so I think that kind of brings to light the value of a good advisor in the sense that, you know, I think one of our most important attributes is being a good listener, you know, approaching every situation without judgment and just asking questions. If there's more than one person in the meeting, it's getting the opinion and the goals and the values from both people so that you can start to formulate a plan that encompasses their situation and the way that they exist and for everyone involved their goals. So I thought it was interesting though to to kind of get her perspective on the barriers to advice. Yeah. One of the things that I took away is that for somebody who's marginalized, the weight can be heavier and that our role as you as advisor and us as support staff is to really work at lifting the weight off and removing the barriers not to add to them. And I thought that she put that so eloquently. And it's up to us to be trustworthy and welcoming and inclusive enough and open enough and welcoming enough to show that we've earned that trust and to show that you do care and you're an ally. I thought that from the interview, I took that and had a lot to think about that. Yeah, it was great. I agree with everything you just said. And I know there's other advisors that listen to this podcast. So I think that they'll probably get just as much out of this, or at least I hope they'll get just as much out of this conversation with you and Laura as anyone else who's listening. One thing I want to note is Laura does have a podcast and a blog. It is in the show notes, but I did want to point to her podcast, Let's Talk About It, and her blog, Stress-Free Finance, as well. Perfect. With that, we'll get on with the show. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey as a financial planner and how you find yourself where you're at now? So I've been working in finance, wealth management, financial planning for almost 10 years now. And I started working at a bank out of school, ended up moving into wealth management, became a portfolio manager. So I was dealing with higher net worth folks, you know, learning the business and then growing my own clientele and learning more about financial planning and investment management. You know, I was a portfolio manager, really digging into that investment and kind of had an opportunity last year to rethink what I was doing and think more about, okay, is this what I want to do forever? Is there another way of doing this? And ended up starting uh, inclusive financial planning. So going kind of the fee-only financial planning route. So I don't sell any products anymore, which has been actually quite nice. (laughs) And having some really great conversations with people. Really, this fee-only financial planning has really brought a lot of the excitement of like financial advising back to the work I do. So it's been very gratifying and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about your clientele with Inclusive FP and your sort of your approach with your company? Yeah. So our clientele probably younger than most more traditional wealth management advisors, just by the very nature of it. I'm able to deal with people that don't necessarily have large investment accounts. So, you know, my clientele kind of runs five to 70 age bracket, which has been a bit of a shift because, you know, working in wealth management, you spend a lot more time talking to people who are retired into retirement and kind of, you know, more so planning income and things like that. So I'm getting to spend more time with folks. Some of the more beginning steps and helping people kind of make sure they're going in the right direction right from the beginning, which has been really nice. No, it's kind of a different clientele, but not that different. Excellent. So one of the things I wanted to talk about today is financial planning for the LGBTQ plus community in Canada. 
And so I thought we could just start talking about some of the unique challenges that that LGBTQ plus Canadians face when it comes to retirement planning. The hardest thing in that pre-retirement, early retirement stage, a lot of them grew up, came to adulthood through the AIDS crisis. So mm-hmm. didn't really think of themselves as living that long. You know, when you spend your 20s attending funerals and not necessarily seeing yourself making it to old age, it changes a lot of the mindset. When I talk to folks that are queer and in that pre-retirement point, it's usually they're maybe a little bit later to the game because it didn't feel as pressing because they didn't think they were going to get there. Mm -hmm. And now they're, you know, 55 years old and kind of going, all right, I did get here. What do I do now? And somewhat a cultural mindset issue. I mean, the other side of it is financial advice for queer people and especially trans people is very difficult. FB Canada did some research recently, you know, nearly 70% of the community fears discrimination when accessing financial advice. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge barrier for effectively millions being able to ask questions or figure out if they're doing the right thing, let alone executing any type of retirement planning. I know something that we chatted about just before we started recording was the lack of resources for people out there. How does discrimination impact individuals' access to retirement benefits and financial planning? We're at a point where retirement benefits directly aren't as big of a concern, you know, with marriage equality. There is human rights protections for same-sex partners, which was a huge fight through the 90s. So as far as benefits, that's not the major hurdle anymore. It's really that planning, access, and education part. If you're someone, and this goes for many marginalized communities, not just the LGBT community, but most financial advice is accessed through financial institutions. And if you're someone who's been on the other end of institutions your whole life and haven't felt supported or welcomed or included by them, then you're going to have a hard time even kind of stepping into those spaces. And that sort of silent exclusion does reflect in the resources available. You know, even I know through my own continuing education, I don't think I've attended a seminar, a conference that included anything that was even remotely inclusive of queer couples. You know, you sit down and you have somebody talking about retirement planning and it's the husband and wife, his and hers, Mr. and Mrs. From the very kind of foundation, the thought of like queer people as couples going and getting retirement planning isn't even really fathomed within the industry. Right. Just as an aside, we did a podcast a little while ago with Jane Robertson, and she started Single Seniors for Tax Fairness. And that came out of a workshop that we did about taxes, and everything is geared towards couples. And there's a lot of single seniors out there. So there is, just to reaffirm your point, that a lot of the system is set up for heteronormative coupling, right? And people who fall outside of that don't get the resources or don't get the supports generally. If you also look at you know, dynamics within the queer community, you also do see a higher proportion of folks who maybe have larger age differences mm-hmm. that, again, looking at things like income splitting don't necessarily work as well with. You know, if you have a 10-year age gap, it's harder to do any type of tax planning around through retirement. So there's quite a few barriers. And yeah, that's an absolutely great point about single folks not being able to access income splitting, which is really kind of that number one tax burden through retirement. For sure. For sure. As we're talking a bit about institutions, but also culture, what role do you think cultural competency plays in retirement planning? And 
how can financial advisors ensure that they're providing culturally sensitive advice and being more inclusive? I think it needs to be kind of that grassroots effort to start thinking beyond that, like, cis-heteronormative binary planning. Most retirement planning, like I said, is really built conceptually around a heterosexual couple who are maybe a few years apart, you know, have the 2.1 children and kind of follows that almost nuclear family pattern. So, you know, often queer people don't fit into those scenarios. Even things like estate planning, if you don't have kids, conversation right then and there. And starting with just, I guess, opening your mind up to the fact that, you know, there are queer people out there looking for financial advice. Yourself, into the community and start even changing the way you approach all of your meetings. I'm a big proponent for kind of ungendering your process. So financial advice as an industry also has a bit of an issue with women in general. And a lot of that comes from like sexism and bias. That same type of bias that like, you know, the man does this, the woman does this. I've seen it happen, you know, working with other advisors and, you know, they're going into a meeting and going, okay, well, who's the husband and who's the wife and trying to figure that out. And they can't, they can't get their own head sorted out enough to then actually help the people in front of them because they're trying to fit themselves into the pattern they're used to. And they're not even really looking at or thinking about the client they're dealing with. Right. I love the idea of ungendering your process. And with Inclusive FP, what would that look like for you in ungendering your process? I really just try not to judge or bring a lot of assumptions in. You know, there's a certain amount of if you're dealing with a couple, you're one person or the other. You're talking and letting them answer the way that makes the most sense for them and letting people answer questions also individually especially with like goal setting. I'm a big proponent of having both people answer all the questions. And, you know, how do those line up? Where is the difference? Where's the harmony? Where's the discord? Then as a financial planner, that's where you can help align everyone and make sure they're going on the path they want to be going to. And making sure you have the understanding of both people in a partnership Mm -hmm. is something that, again, It's not just an issue for queer people accessing financial advice. It's an issue for a lot of folks. You know, it's not that financial advisors, retirement planners need to have these skills. A lot of these are broader skills that Mm. still aren't being learned and integrated into folks' practices. And if a lot of that kind of broader work was done, you know, we'd be maybe 20% away from where we need to be instead of the 70% that we are right now. Mm -hmm. So again, just to go back to another podcast we recorded with Jane Bloffis, she was talking about a couple friend of hers. And in this case, it was a heteronormative couple where there was a quite an age discrepancy. And one partner loved to travel because they were younger and a little more free. And the older partner liked to, you know, stay at home and do what have you. And I think that talking about the sort of bringing equality to the process, you would look at that couple and you would say, okay, where did the points match up? Because it has nothing to do with gender, right? It has to do with simply whether that person likes to travel, whether that person doesn't, and trying to fairly understand where the points match up and what each person wants to make that road to in retirement or financial planning smooth for everybody involved, right? Exactly. You know, if we talk about something like goal funding, you know, if you've got two people with two separate goals, equitably and 
money isn't infinite. You have scarce resources. Mm -hmm. And the role of a financial planner is to help somebody allocate those scarce resources and get the most enjoyment out of it. So having those conversations before you're at that point, you know, that's a potential situation where you have overspending in retirement because you've got two people trying to live their lives in different ways. And if you don't address that in the beginning, then you're going to have a couple 10 years later that doesn't know why they have racked up credit cards. Yeah. I'd like to return because you touched on sometimes the difficulty of estate planning. And I'm just wondering, how can individuals ensure that their chosen family and support networks are considered in their retirement or estate planning and decision making? I think it really needs to be an open conversation. You know, as a financial planner, you're not necessarily going to be writing the will, but even just helping them find a lawyer that's going to understand that and not judge mm-hmm. them for it or try and talk them out of it. or And that's where you as a professional can have a professional network that's inclusive and supporting. You know, I spend a not insignificant amount of time in my own kind of networking and finding folks that I can refer clients to and know that there's not going to be an issue, especially as a financial planner, you're kind of that jack of all trades generalist. Mm-hmm. It's of what you can do being able to send somebody comfortably off to somebody else that you know isn't going to have any issues. It's going to listen to them. That's huge. And I think building up your own network in your own local community or, you know, whatever geographic region you serve goes a long way of saying, okay, you know what? I've invested my time and effort into making sure that you are taken care of. And it's those little subtle things that let people know that, you know what? Maybe this place is safe. Maybe this place is comfortable and they can start letting their guard down. Mm-hmm. How can allies and advocates provide support and make sure that folks are getting their unique needs met? I guess this sort of tells what we were talking about earlier, but if we think of ourselves as allies and advocates, how can we make sure that that those needs are getting met? That specifically reminds me of an article I read. I can't remember if it was Wealth Professional or or it was an industry magazine. And it was specifically talking about advisors dealing with queer and trans clients. Mm -hmm. And the article was written putting the entire onus on the client. The client needs to be out with their advisor. The client needs to, you know, be open and honest about their situation. The client needs to, it's all on the client to provide the advisor with as much information Mm -hmm. as they possibly can, or else the advisor can't do their job. And I would like to switch that. It's up to the advisor to be trustworthy and welcoming and inclusive enough Mm -hmm. that they've earned that You know, it's up to the planner or advisor to welcome their clients in and create opportunities for their clients to also validate that. Are you, you know, supportive in the community? Do you put a pride flag up in June or do you support throughout the year outwardly and directly? Do you in any way, shape or form sacrifice anything for the community? Those are the ways that you can show that you have concern, you show that you care and create environment of safety and really wellness that allows people to open up because talking about money is for most people very scary it's a taboo topic mm-hmm. it's difficult in the best of times and then you lay on like hey i don't know if i'm talking to a bigot yeah you know how are you supposed to then open up about anything so if you have done some work to show that you know what you do care and you are an ally and it's not just something you say because you're looking for more business it's something you mean and you live then it's not going to be something every planner does but those that do it will eventually get noticed mm-hmm. i think it's so true one of my roles here is client care coordinator and working on relationships with clients and i think that it's so true 
that to show and live integrity with your relationships and that it is the onus is on us to create that relationship and offer the best experience possible for a client. It should be on the advisor. What can we do for you to make this path forward easy? Because it's true what you say. I think prior to me coming into this field, I don't think I would have been comfortable talking about money or talking about like RSPs or RIFs or any of that, right? And so sometimes it just comes down to even knowledge, right? Like what knowledge do you have and making sure that people feel at ease to talk about really difficult, can be really difficult things. I think you're absolutely right. It does come down to the advisor and their staff to make that easy for the client. I think recognizing every client walks with their own hangups, their own baggage, and somebody large ones, weight is usually heavier. So your role is to lift that weight off, not add to it. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely true. We'll just finish up. I wanted to ask if you had any, I mean, this is always sort of a difficult question, but do you have any tips for folks to help them plan for retirement and achieve financial security in the LGBTQ plus community or anyone really? Do you have any sort of tips that you could leave us with? I think getting help before it's too late is a huge component of that. Finding your people finding folks in the community. There are financial professionals that are queer and trans. There are ally professionals. It's harder to find them, but it's still worth doing. And if you're trying to do it on your own, you don't want to deal with anyone else, then it's a lot of work. But I think the most important part is just make sure you're reading broadly and, you know, not getting sucked into any get rich quick schemes. And I think it's kind of the tips that one trying to play retirement is the like, Unfortunately, you need to figure out all the things you don't know, but you don't know the things you don't know. Yeah. So, I think for queer folks, they're going to have to kind of read between the lines a little bit more and right. kind of fit themselves into that. But if that sounds really intimidating, again, you might have to look a little bit further. You might have to try a little bit harder, but find your person and the sooner, usually the better. Yeah, for sure. Well, my last, last question, uh, <laughs> just to, <laughs> to go back to the beginning again, that we chatted about. I know there's a scarcity of resources, but there are there any resources, places to turn to, to read, to educate oneself that you would recommend? Um, I mean, I'd run a blog myself. Perfect. Information. We'll put um, that in the show notes. That's excellent. Called Stress-Free Finance. So I do actually also host my own podcast. So trying to talk about, you know, dealing with some of these things, not so much in a technical standpoint, but more in a mindset. But no, beyond that, anything about financial literacy, you can find type of planning Canada, financial planning for Canadians, which has some great articles on it. So just finding kind of those little nuggets that can help steer you in the right direction. But honestly, the biggest resource is like actually looking at it. You yeah. know, <laughs> actually looking at your finances, look at those statements, think about it and make sure things are making sense to you and ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to look at these things. It might be scary. But the scarier thing is not looking at any of it. Yeah, I think what you say is so true. Probably of most people, it's pulling the credit card statement, pulling out the bank statement, the monthly bills and sitting down and actually truly going over them and facing up to what your spending is and where you need to adjust. And But it is, as you say, better to look than not. The amount of times I do a financial and, you know, they're giving me all the documents they have and it's all still in envelopes and I have to explain that I can't open the letters for them. Yeah. Like they're going to have to at least open them up because like I'm not opening their mail for them. It's unfortunately much higher than it should be. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Laura. I really appreciate you speaking with us today. 
I'll make sure to include your blog, your podcast. And if you wanted to just give a quick shout out at how people can find you at Inclusive FP. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram at Inclusive FP. You can also find me at Laura underscore Whiteland and Stress P Finance. You can find it through laurawhiteland.com. And if you're feeling down or you're feeling anxious about finances, the most important thing I try and tell people is that they're not alone in that feeling. No, it's not something you're uniquely having to deal with. And it's okay, you're feeling those feelings. So I try and say that in every opportunity I can is, you know, it's not your fault if it feels anxious and difficult, but try and deal with it anyways. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to leave the podcast on. And again, thanks so much for letting me interview you. Thank you for having me on. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc. ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.